Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Unpack That. This is Paul, your host, um, for your weekly podcast, where we dissect anything and everything through the lens of people with anxiety, depression, or anything in between. Um, So today... I'm here with a new co-host, so I think that what I should start saying is that I have guests because we don't really have repeat co-hosts, but I like giving people the title of co-host. So, um, Ryan, thank you for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, even though you came over to where I'm at today. (laughs) I did. I did. How long have we known each other? Uh, Well, I'd say almost a good calendar year by now. (laughs) (laughs) AKA since uh, 2 a.m. this morning. Yeah. And the fact that we've spoken in prior moments and that you live local to me. Mm -hmm. So true. We've been talking for a year, but this is our first time hanging out. Yes. With our little Truly drinks. Yeah. We're drinking Truly's today. No food. (laughs) Um, So we have Truly hard seltzers because the White Claw shortage is real. Diet of Um, champions. I know. Yeah. So we have a lemon, we have a lime, and then there's the other rest of the citrus pack in the fridge. Um, And I personally enjoy Truly's. A lot of people hate on them, I think, because they like White Claws more, but... I don't really know that I have a particular preference. I think they're both kind of the same, like, fake fruit flavor. I haven't exactly jumped on the White Claw bandwagon either. Well, I feel like the White Claw bandwagon is over now that straight <laughs> men have access to it. <laughs> like, there's this whole thing now of, like, there ain't no laws when you're drinking mm-hmm. claws. And Stop. Is that from the meme video? That I don't... What's the meme video? There was a video of this guy, and it was, like, little snippets of, like, how people treat White Claw, and it's kind of like the new hybrid, like, like that's all that kind of drink, and he's like, there's no laws when you're drinking claws. And then the <laughs> other thing that he said was, uh, LaCroix is just a virgin White Claw. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so basically, yeah, yeah so it's probably from that and now like I see straight men drinking it like on the fucking beach in their Instagram stories (laughs) at concerts but I was like I've been drinking White Claw with my straight girlfriends and my gay guy friends Mm -hmm. for fucking years now but now all of a sudden there's a shortage they're stealing our drink appropriating (laughs) our drinking culture for their own benefit um no, but I think it's it's kind of funny that like straight men are now comfortable with drinking girly drinks, you know, right? Like, because they sometimes, you know, there is that whole you know stigma about how men have to emasculate themselves and have a certain way of being in order to assume a steady position of who they are, and they have to always justify their actions, unlike gay people. And people of a different demographic where they don't always have to constantly advertise something to be secure. Yeah. I mean, I have to advertise a lot to be secure <laughs> myself. Um, but I think there's something to what you just said about, you know, that that they have a definition of what masculinity is sure. and what they have to fit. And I think that gay men are, are fighting that because we have our own definition of like a mask gay. Right, but I feel like we're, right. we're on the right side. Mm-hmm. But there's still people that I think are, are challenged by that. But I don't know. Like... How long did you think that you were straight? Never. (laughs) (laughs) I knew kind of from the jump, but I was very scared and I was very um, kept up about it. And I will own one thing right now. And it's the fact that when I was younger and I was with my, um, actually, are you allowed to quote former segments you've done with people you've spoken to? You can. As Kathleen had quoted before, um, you know, there's this group of, you know, assumed straight men that have to kind of like hold a certain role. And I kind of would jump on the bandwagon with like, you know, that kind of, 
homophobic banter just because I was so in the closet and I didn't want to make it obvious. So I had to hide that about myself for so long that I didn't agree with some of the words I was letting out as a young preteen. And I regret that in hindsight, but it was something I felt at that time that I needed to do so no one knew who I truly was. I know. I did the same thing, too. And drink to that. I know. I did the same thing, and I still look back at those periods of my life and regret it because I feel like that is so not who I am now because now sure. I think I'm the most accepting I've ever been and I still have room to grow. Mm-hmm. I still automatically will judge people sometimes when they live a different lifestyle rather than reacting positively. Sure. <clears throat> I burp every podcast. Excuse me. Hey, it's part of the political climate. There's just certain things that will always stick with you for better or for worse and that's just the human condition. I know, but like I I wish it wasn't. <laughs> I know. And maybe that's like a simplified way of looking sure. at it. Yeah. But I feel bad. Like I I I like now I I talk to more and more gay people because I'm more comfortable talking about sure, it and sure. especially in a platform like mm-hmm. this that's very open. Like it sounds fucking hard to be straight. Like not not the like societal and cultural like implications, mm-hmm. but like just the I think expectations that straight people have upon them is so challenging. Um, One of them that I would definitely like to highlight on is it's really a shame with, you know, the the certain term we've coined in the last several years, toxic masculinity. And it's just a shame to see that, you know, some of these men, there are so many concealed feelings and ways they want to express things. And I even saw a little thing online the other day where I thought I found the humor in it, but I also found it as a half-hearted sadness kind of thing where they were poking fun at how straight men can't like point out when something's cute or something of that, you know, of that magnitude because they're worried it's going to come off sounding quote unquote too gay Yeah, when there's really no shame in just being able to personify something for yourself, regardless of your, you know, sexual orientation, whatever creed you may be, that has no definitive of who you are as a person. And it, it doesn't. And, and it's cool. Cause like I've met, I think straight men who have fought that and have channeled like against that. And I think most, of them tem- tend to be younger mm-hmm. um, but it was really cool I had like an honest conversation with two guys at a bar recently um, and I won't share their names because I know that uh, they listen to this podcast and their partners <laughs> listen to this podcast oh, no. um, but it was like just a really raw dialogue about things that they are comfortable with sure. in the bedroom that like normally I feel like that they could not share with each other sure. like they were talking about just like butt stuff like mm-hmm. that they do in the bedroom with their girlfriends sure. and how they both have that in common, but they've never felt like they could talk about sure. that before. Cause like talking about butt stuff and like doing anal mm-hmm. is so attributed to a gay thing sure. or it's like a thing that the toxic masculine men brag about like, Oh, she finally let me put it in her ass, which is like, so I think just like sad for them mm-hmm. that they can't even mm-hmm. talk about that, that they can't even be open about that. Right. Because it comes off with this connotation that there's gay undertones to what they're saying. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, that's not the case. Like, yep. like people are just <laughs> sexual beings and you can be with as many partners as you want or whoever you want, mm-hmm. wherever you want yep. and do whatever you want. And it's just about whatever works for you. And it, I, I think that this is sort of a good segue mm-hmm. into some of the things that like I wanted to talk about with you because sure. we've just sort of been, been texting about it. But, uh, and a lot of people who have been listening to our podcast have been saying like Paul I would love for you to do an episode on like pronouns 
political correctness, things that are okay to say, things that are not okay to say. And like, I don't think that I'm the expert on this by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) And I'm sure that you're not either. Um, But together, maybe we can like go through some of those things of like, in 2019, can you say the word queer? Like, I would say yes, some people might say no, but like, that's just like a light example of some of the things that I wanted to unpack today, because it is something that I think has been of huge interest to our listeners, because this is a podcast led by queer people, but it's kind of for straight people, um, or the, at least they make up the majority of the listeners. So I don't know, I would like to talk through a couple things as they relate to toxic masculinity, as they relate to uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, like what are some things that are okay to say? What are what do you think about those topics? And like, what are some of the things that come to mind to you right away? Honestly, there's a lot to do with our political climate right now. I think that there's a lot of, um, honestly, I really think right now the biggest thing I can highlight on is that community against community behavior behavior Hmm. where there's different things in the LGBT community that collide. There's ways where people can't accept certain things about people. Again, I really was into the whole podcast because it's honestly the only podcast I had ever tuned into was the one you had covered with (laughs) Kathleen. And I I can see where I would get very enveloped by this kind of um, content. And I think that it's good that, you know, young viewers and people that just want to tune in from all different walks of life, like just want to educate themselves on something because it shows that you're making an effort. It shows that you're not trying to appropriate something. It shows that you're not trying to take ownership of something and take advantage of a place that you've came from. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this outside of the podcast about young beauty artists and how some of these people believe themselves to be kind of like the gay pioneer of our generation, but they don't show any kind of accolades towards the people that have made these walking stones for us to get to mm-hmm. where we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know we were talking about people on YouTube like that are specifically like influencers, people that are models, people that like, in my mind, like when I look on gay social media and I look at gays out there, there's like a stereotypical gay and it doesn't seem like that person and often has much reverence for those stepping stones. Sure. Um, and like we've talked about Stonewall in this podcast a little bit, but we've never went into detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked a little bit about the AIDS crisis, but like we've never went into detail. Right. And I'm not a historian and I don't know that you are either, <laughs> but I imagine if you find yourself well-versed in some of those things, like we can talk about some of that like liberation movement a little bit as well. So like for you, like what is Stonewall and what does that mean to you? Well, Stonewall was a combination of things. It was a safe haven for people that were no longer able to fully conceal who they were because it was really honestly a time period in history where we had started making waves before I was even here (laughs) and you were here and there was the Stonewall riots, you know, that took place during the time where there were these nightclubs and there were people that could not be their full selves. There was no visible PDA. There was not much transparency on the topic. It was kind of a closed underground community of sorts instead of being very out loud and transparent as we can be today it's thanks to like kind of the quote-unquote forefathers of our gay community mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and i would like to put it out there that i understand i completely get where people are coming out where they show a lot of accolades towards people like rupaul but he was not the first drag queen that knocked down those doors for us <laughs> yeah and that fought the police you know out front right, of stonewall right yeah. and there was a lot of police brutality that you know people chalk up gay men to be these very you know sissy feminine men because of stereotypes but they had to fight off police riots they had to 
keep things under wraps and deal with the whole legal jargon of everything. They had mm-hmm. to put up with not being allowed to hold their partner's hand on the street lest they be beaten down by a nightstick. Mm-hmm. There was things that people don't even bear to understand now. There are still visible hate crimes going on now, but far and few between and compared to where we've come from. Yeah, and I think specifically, like against gay men, the number of crimes has dropped. Like mm-hmm. I know specifically trans women of color are still very much under attack. Yes. Um, and it's sad because trans women of color and drag queens were many of those people who led the Stonewall riots at the end of the sixties. So like, I know the cops would come in like on a nightly basis and they would basically take their money, like, cause it was totally part of the corruption and the cops would like take the money from the club and then they would leave the club because that was like their payment for allowing people to be gay. So like they would just like take money from the bartenders, take money from the staff, open the registers Mm -hmm. and just steal everything. And eventually I think that the patrons of the club were just fucking over it. They were like, you don't, get to come into our place where this is our community Mm -hmm. and steal from us because you're letting us have fun we deserve to have fun because we are people they made it out to be as if they're you're still this child that's getting a privilege like you're allowed to play with a toy for an hour or something Mm -hmm. like it's not that we're not suddenly gay once we leave a nightclub it's who we always are and it doesn't mean that that's our full dynamic where we just want to go club and be around like just our own community we want to be around everyone as a whole but we want to go somewhere where we can mingle and feel like we're with our own people Mm -hmm. in a certain degree it doesn't mean that you know a straight person doesn't have the same like ability and attributes as that of a gay man a gay man sorry i can't even speak english right now that's okay (laughs) but it's the fact that there is just you know there's that kind of little private tuck away cove you want to be able to go to sometimes and just be amongst people that you feel you can be your full self, especially given that time period Mm -hmm. where you could barely Mm -hmm. even be your own whole full self. Yeah. And it's crazy. So like I just pulled up the Wikipedia page just so we could have an official description too of like the actual raid that happened because it was June 28th, 1969, which was the same day that Judy Garland passed away. And that was a coincidence. Same year as Woodstock. Think about that. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people think that the riots were started because Judy Garland passed away. And that is not true. We're not that gay. Um, I would start a riot for that. (laughs) I totally would have if I were alive, but it wouldn't have been for this reason. Um, But at 1.20 a.m. on Saturday, June 28, 1969, four plainclothes policemen in dark suits, two patrol officers in uniform, and a detective arrived at Stonewall Inn's double doors and announced police were taking the place. Stonewall employees do not recall being tipped off that a raid was to occur that night, as was the custom. So there was a rumor that one might happen, but since it was much later than raids generally took place, the management thought that the tip was inaccurate. So basically, they came into the bar, and then things started happening really quickly. There were around 205 people in the bar that night and patrons who had never experienced a police raid were confused because oftentimes it sounds like they got an alert so they knew that they would pay them beforehand Um, and then um, police barred the doors so they were not letting people in or out until they got their money right Um, so then eventually I know that I believe the, the rumor is that Marsha P. Johnson was the first um, transgender. Again, yeah. At that point, she called herself a, a transvestite, but she was a, a drag queen, transvestite, transgender person who uh, threw a brick um, through Stonewall at the police officers, yep. and then the riot started. So there's That's always... fact. That is fact, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a great, great Netflix documentary about that, too. So, again, the year was 1969, It was not that fucking long ago. We just celebrated our 50th anniversary of Stonewall. Half a century. And 
it's crazy to think that now, 50 years into the future, that sparked the modern gay civil rights movement and gay liberation movement. And now we can get married and we can still have, we still have places to go that are our own. We still have communities that are our own. Um, and now I think that this sort of like political correctness and pronouns and terms that are okay, like is the next phase of our acceptance is recognizing the different types of people within the queer community because it's, it's gay people, it's lesbians, it's transgender people. It's, it's people of color who fit Mm -hmm. into those buckets as well. Um, it's asexual people, it's bisexual people. There's, there's a multitude of people, um, in this community now and we're larger than ever. And I think that people are looking for a way to feel that they, can be identified where it's simple for a cisgender person, which means you identify with the sexual organ that is between your legs. Um, you, you feel that your gender is what you were born as, and you never felt that you needed to change your gender. Um, but that cisgender people don't are like, well, just call them he or her, just call them this or that. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, why is that important? You know, like why, why do I need to know this information now? It's like, cause imagine being in a room and, someone doesn't know that you are a female and they call you a male, like, wouldn't you fucking feel awful if you were a straight woman who was, you know, dressed as a woman and someone was like, Oh, Hey man, you know, and like totally thought that you were a male. You just like people didn't identify with you. And that's, that's my cisgender white gay male (laughs) describing what that feeling is like. So I would imagine it's, it's much harder than how I'm describing it. But, um, that's kind of why I think like, it's important to recognize our history in Stonewall that of who our leaders were, but now this is like the next phase of acceptance. So we, right. we, we jumped on this by talking about, you know, the it doesn't U- stop. It doesn't stop. <laughs> and and it, it, we jumped on it by talking about the YouTube gurus and, you know, like that these people view themselves as the pioneers of, of our gay generation. And I don't particularly think that that's true. Um, so for you, as someone who stays close to like the YouTube generation and the YouTube influencers, like what are your, what are your thoughts on that and, and their contributions to this modern civil rights movement? I think that it comes from two places, a place of ignorance as well as a place of just misunderstanding. It's not that people are intentionally trying to come off offensive, but they're not educating themselves and they're not becoming the front runners of who they can be and using their platform properly in some cases. I think that the fact that people are believing to themselves that now that they're boys in beauty or whatever type of, you know, the, the problem too is that I think we as a society still, when we hear LGBTQ, our brain immediately goes towards the male demographic. <laughs> the, the G. And I don't think that it's fair that you have lesbian, you have gay, bi, transgender, and then asexual. Mm -hmm. There's so many different demographics that go across the board. There's understanding the modern day understanding of the term gender fluid. There is acknowledging they and them versus he, she, and he, him. There's so many things we have to do as a society, and we have to understand and get behind the the meaning of gender dysphoria, which Mm -hmm. is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. There's people that sit through therapy. There's people trying to come to terms with certain things in their life. There's people that feel like they're going to just be that missing puzzle piece their entire life, and they just want a definitive, solid understanding of themselves. And doing something as simple as honoring and acknowledging their actual proper pronouns they prefer is one tiny stepping stone in the right direction. 
And I think that people who think it's ridiculous when someone wants to be affiliated by a proper pronoun they prefer and aren't getting that honored and they're still being called the opposite gender of which they identify or if they don't even identify as a solid gender now is something that is still something we're making waves on and that we still have to work towards. Mm -hmm. I have many friends across the board that have different ways of identifying themselves. And if you give me a proper pronoun and tell me how you would care to be addressed, I will always acknowledge that because I acknowledge you 100% just as I would any other person off the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel that way too. Too. And, and recently I just started re- reading um, Sissy, a, Con- a Coming of Gender Story by Jacob Tobia. Um, and he identifies as gender fluid. He's non-binary, so he doesn't subscribe to either. Um, and I'm only in the first chapter of the book. But his whole thing in those first chapters, just like you were sort of talking about RuPaul as sort of our drag queen leader of today, but not our drag queen leader of 50 right. years ago. Right. Um, Jacob Tobia talks a little bit about Caitlyn Jenner because people think that they're accepting of trans people because they're accepting of Caitlyn Jenner. And Caitlyn Jenner is not a good representation of the trans community and what trans struggles are. She's able to, you know, go through hormone intensive therapy, totally change her look, afford the clothes that she wants to be able to afford um, and go from there. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back. So just give us a second. Talk to you guys soon. Okay. Uh, welcome back, Ryan. Sorry for that mini interruption. I know that we're um, working under time constraints because um, we're in a public place right now. Um, Much to my fault. My bad. <laughs> it's really okay. Um, so we were talking a little bit about Caitlyn Jenner and what a poor representation of the trans community and trans experience she is. Um, and I would imagine that some people before the break were like, what the fuck? Like, I thought that you know, Caitlyn Jenner was like, you're a leader of the trans movement when I don't view it that way at all. Um, I turn towards people like Janet Mock and, um, I turn towards people like Jiggly Caliente. Um, and I think that there's so many people across the trans spectrum and gender fluid spectrum Um, And those things are not necessarily related, Um, but with, you know, gender questions or gender questioning people, um, there's there's so many different amazing examples. But I want to talk about Caitlyn Jenner just for a little bit, because what was that three years ago that she was on the cover of Vogue? I would say three, maybe four, maybe even four at this point when Bruce became Caitlyn and this is who I always was. And it was this kind of nationally celebrated movement and, an identity uh, affirmation for trans people. Cause I would speculate that the trans community does not feel that way about her from no. what I have read. And what given I certain spent, yeah. moves that were made televised that I have been born witness to not even looking at recaps of it, but seeing it when it was happening live, such as on Ellen, she yeah. had showed up as a guest on Ellen. Ellen was more than happy and welcoming about it because Ellen is from a certain demographic. We know as the lesbian community, you've got someone coming in as an acclaimed trans 
trans inclusive and you know being part of the trans community also falls into a demographic where you are one of the mi- the major minority groups mm-hmm. that should all be allies to one another she had gone publicly on ellen and explained how she had these right-wing views on marriage and how a man should still be with a woman when they're not any longer identifying with a former identity had kept that under wraps from their former partner and go live on television and completely completely humiliate and offend someone like Ellen right on her television show and just to put it out there and think that you're allowed to be welcome in open arms to a thing and then make it seem as though another person can't have the something of a different velocity or view things in a certain type of way but to have that corrupt sense on marriage and the understanding of things and think that you're you know this now assumed woman of God that formerly identified a different way and to tell somebody else that they should not be with anyone except for the opposite sex is beyond offensive and beyond advantage taking of their platform. And I think that she goes about it in such a frustrating way. Um, like, and I just remembered this cause I was just looking this up. Um, but she describes herself that she's not a one issue voter. Um, and it's easier to convince the Republican party to do a better job, which I think is fucking hilarious is that, you know, she's like, well, I'm not a single issue voter. And I'm like, yeah, you're not a single issue voter. Like most people should not be. However, like the impact and the political ramifications of not accepting trans people, people in the queer community, like the larger extended queer community and or the extended group of minorities, including immigrants, like all of that goes together. And that is not a single issue anything you know well, like that's pull... a that's a human justice fucking issue absolutely and and if if she's gonna say that that trans and and trans rights are things that would m- be a single issue i don't view that because i view trans people as part of my rights you know i right. view myself right. as part of that community i view immigrants as part of our community now because they have been so marginalized and treated like scum and separated at the border um and god that could be another podcast but I don't view that those things are okay. Regardless of what Caitlyn Jenner did well, I think there's still things that she needs to process and deal with of the impact that she had as this potentially huge advocate for trans people. She had a reality show called I Am Kate. She had, you know, whatever the fuck, you know, interview on 60 Minutes or Barbara Walters, whatever, when it came out. And she had all of this opportunity to to highlight trans stories and diverse trans stories. And she did a little bit of that. But then all of that goes away, I think, when you're saying like, oh, Trump's not too bad, you know? like Take this contradiction. She was married to Kris Jenner for over 20 years. Prior to the first husband that Kris Jenner was involved with, she was with Caitlyn, once assumed as Bruce, who was an Olympian, and got put on the cover of, I believe it was a sports magazine of some type, where someone else was also up for the ballot to be put on that cover, and they decided to make... Caitlyn Jenner of the one year that she fully made transparency and made waves at that time about what she was coming out about, she got placed as woman of the year Mm -hmm. when she had just identified herself out loud to the public as such. And then to go ahead and take a title that someone had been given them such as that and to tell other people and dehumanize their decisions makes me sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a total abuse of your platform. I use that word a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a total abuse of your platform. There's a total abuse of 
thinking that there's this trans-inclusive understanding because the thing I have to say is that when you're from any minority group, it gives you a better understanding of other minority groups. Agreed. And to kind of think that you're placed at this level of importance that all of a sudden you're dehumanizing other minority groups, that is just in its own sense, like some new type of dysphoria. I have to come up with a term for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just fucked up is what it is. And I... Again, so I, I feel that when we're talking about trans people, when we're talking about leaders, when we're talking about Stonewall, and people are like, I love trans people because Caitlyn Jenner is so awesome. Isn't that so great? She was on that cover. She's a beauty icon. She got a contract with MAC Cosmetics. And I'm like, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner got a fucking contract with MAC Cosmetics before like any drag queen, the people who are actually at the front of the political fight and the gay and queer liberation movement, which I just find so ridiculous that like she profited off of her transness. And I know before we, we were sort of talking to, to transition a little bit to, to Miley Cyrus, you know, who just came out, I think as, as, as bisexual or gender non-binary or let me look that up real quick. So I don't, um, misstate that. Um, but the thing I want to say too, is that the fact that you're looking into, it doesn't come from a place of ignorance where you're going to assume one thing of one person. It's just the fact that you're going off of things you may have heard. That is also a huge thing in the community and any subcategory is that you don't always get your sources cited right away. So you have to do your own research. That's a huge piece of political correctness. In my opinion, is that you have to be your own advocate you can't just share a bunch of videos on Facebook and think that you're suddenly so educated and brushed up on a topic until you actually take the time to research the material. That is when you show the effort you're making towards bettering yourself, educating yourself on these subjects, educating yourself on a community, educating yourself on the minority demographic. There are so many things, and it does require work. And I understand that we're in a very lazy generation mm -hmm. where not a lot of people want to do more than skim a couple things and go look at memes afterwards. And people don't have a ton of time. No. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's something as simple as someone's gender. Like, right. you can figure out what the right things are to say. And again, I forgot what she came out as. So 2016, she came out as pansexual, where it right. means she's... she's her attractions does not lie within a gender. Right. So it can be man, it can be woman. There's no resting there, ground for there's it. There's no resting ground. Um, and so then eight months after she got hitched to Liam Hemsworth, um, she was photographed kissing uh, a woman who she now lives with. And so she came out, I think, as... Um, what from what I'm reading right here is that she came out as gender neutral. Mm -hmm. So she does not just confine to a gender and she believes that her pronouns are they and them. Mm -hmm. um, and that um, they, let me use the right pronouns sure. when I'm talking about her, uh, talking about them. Uh, they see it is hard, but I'm And you trying. just did exactly the right thing. You took the pronoun that you publicly know that a person wishes to be identified as such, and that is your way of contributing back to the community. Right. And so they are now identifying as gender fluid and they are now living with a woman or a, a, a female identifying person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just have to think about that that was a month ago and now i'm thinking about sam smith who just came out his th their pronouns are they them rather than his he he 
said that he's been struggling with his gender for a long time. And in his Instagram post, when he came out, he said, I'm, I'm still continuing to struggle. I'm still continuing to change my, my identification with my gender is changing. And so it's they, them for now. But he said, that's, they said, that's what they feel most comfortable with. Sure. So I don't know if you have thoughts on people like Miley Cyrus and Sam Smith, um, identifying as gender fluid, um, or another one is Nico Tortorella. Um, he, he's an actor and I think like a, a YouTube personality as well who identifies as they, them, and as does, um, their wife. Um, so it's kind of, they're in a, in a relationship where both of them are gender fluid. Um, so Nico and his wife, I can't remember her name. They identify as they, them. Um, and it's hard. I'm, I'm mixing up pronouns as I'm talking right now, but, um, <laughs> but I'm, not I'm, from I'm, a place of trying to be transphobic or anything of that sort. You're just coming from a place where you just don't have all your resources cited just yet. Right. Yeah. And you're just trying to make sure that you're not saying the right thing. So, right. so what thoughts do you have on that sort of modern movement of gender fluidity? Like, do you think that it's valid? Do you, uh, I mean, I mean, it, it is valid if they say it's valid, right? But, but what are your thoughts on people coming out as gender fluid now when there have been gender fluid people throughout the course of history and even in communities like ancient Egypt? There's, there's you know, transcripts that people have found and published online of people sure. not identifying. So long-winded question. But I mean, if we're thought? going yeah. based off of factual information, I would say that we still have ways to prove that things are even solid. I think that there is a whole understanding where I will 100% back the fact that gender fluidity is a totally valid understanding. Gender dysphoria is a very, very real issue. There is people that still live in homes where they have parents that accept that they've chosen to be identified as a male that formerly were born with a female assigned anatomy, but their parents will still call them as such because they feel that since they put their child in this world, that they can hold it over them, that they're still Rebecca instead of Matt. And I'm just doing that as a total random example. Right. Yeah. And it's just a form of exacerbating and perpetuating the understanding of gender dysphoria and basically contributing to the issue because this comes a lot, I think from nurture, it comes a lot from environment. It comes a lot from different different walks of life, different certain things, that veteran mentality where, you know, most of our veterans are kind of the controversial issue with still coming to terms with the whole LGBT acceptance even to this day because there's very, very dated traditional values. And the problem is that there's certain things that are beautiful about tradition, but there are other things about breaking those doors down and understanding that we are not going to be this solid, linear thing anymore and that we're always going to have room for improvement. Yeah. And so as I'm, as I'm going through it now, like of thinking of ways I can improve myself is just becoming more familiar with some of the terms. So let's take a quick break for a second. And then when we come back, we'll start going through a couple different terms. Sound okay, good? Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so during the break, Ryan and I just sat for a little bit and sort of went through some of the terms that we wanted to cover. Um, and I think we can start super simple because we know that there are so many questions. And um, what I've learned is that um, that people have such a varying 
level of understanding um, that it's important to start with the basics. And we want to be sensitive to the fact that some people know nothing about this and some people might know everything about this. And I would say that I am a person in the middle. And as we were talking on the break, like so much of this is still changing. There's so much that we don't know because we're not people who go through this experience. And because it changes so frequently, we're trying to learn what we can learn and what we feel we are the, at least can speak to, not the experts on, but have the capacity to discuss. So um, I think we can start really simple. What does it mean to be gay, Ryan? Well, I would say that being gay has more to do, again, we were covering this towards the end of our, going towards the intermission of this podcast, but it has a lot to do with a same-sex affiliation in terms of attraction, sexual chemistry, romantic chemistry. It is not a (laughs) male-owned term. It is not. Um, There are female, male, transgender. There is a gender-fluid understanding of being gay and it is just when there it the thing too is that it will throw you for a loop to understand what being gay is while you are gender fluid there's just so many things we've to learn we were talking about this during our intermission there's a certain social capacity that we all tend to have we're still learning we're basically Mm -hmm. always going to be in class for the rest of our life yeah and And i think that's cool like we we should be like we should be able to stretch our minds Mm -hmm. like i think one of the thing that one of the things that frustrates me so much about our political climate right now is that it seems like people are not willing to stretch their minds. So I was just recently, you know, with a friend and their father came over and was like, Oh, you're a gay man. Like, that's so cool. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a friend of gays. And I was like, wow, thank you. You know? And then like, he proceeded to immediately ask me like, who's the man and who's the woman in my relationship. And I'm like, okay, you just said you were an ally, but you're asking the exact wrong questions. <laughs> so then we started talking a little bit more and he's like, well, I've always been accepting cause I've always lived around gay people. So, like I think that anybody should be able to live their life but I don't want it to be shoved down my throat and so I just sort of paused for a second I took a sip of my bourbon and I said well you know what's funny is is you say that you know gay lesbian trans him her he you know all of these terms are now being shoved down your throat but really straight culture has been shoved down my throat since I was fucking born. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that it's, you know, necessarily like a purposeful thing that straight people were doing. So I don't fault people for doing that. But like I was supposed to, you know, accept and know everything about your culture. And now I'm trying to talk to you about mine and you feel like it's being shoved down your throat. So there's like a systemic challenge. I think that we face, you know, he even later on in the conversation used the word flamer. And I'm like, (sighs) he's like, he's like, that's funny. Right. And I was like, well, like not really, you know, (laughs) like I know what you're saying is that you're like describing effeminate men or effeminate acting people, but, but using a derogatory term like flamer, something that my brothers used to call me. I.E. when you use the word flamboyant, which is the proper terminology, it's almost the equivalent of calling someone a fag instead of gay, homosexual, um, fag is still deemed inappropriate just as, you know, a person of a different creed calling a person of color a term when they were most, you know, 
belittled and put into this place where they didn't have as many freedoms. And mm-hmm. I feel like that I should get an award for the way I just explained that because there's so many <laughs> ways you can offend people with the ways you say things. And we live in a different social climate. You're going to learn I have a lot of recycled terms <laughs> um, than where we're at now. Um, we have come such a long way. We will never fully be at the end of the rainbow here. <laughs> let's let's Ooh, give that a was, shout out. That was to good. That. that was good. But, um, you know, the whole thing is to kind of claim that social pot of gold, if you will, it requires a lot of educating. It requires a lot of being an advocate for people of every different creed and race. Um, if it's okay to even bring this up during this segment, I have a lot of reserved feelings towards apps like Grindr. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's okay. There's a lot of bias. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is a lot of closed social boxes. Um, there's a lot of ageism, uh, fat phobic, mm-hmm. uh, racist connotations there is people that have public profiles where they think that just because they advertise that they're not towards these things that it doesn't come off offensive but the way that they put it out there comes from a very whitewashed mentality and i think so let's talk about that a little bit more so um, <laughs> if you're not familiar grinder is a male dating app but it's primarily a, a a hookup app, I would say, or a, or a sex app. I think some people have, you know, used that app to meet people, make friends, etc. Um, but the majority for it is like someone will ask you, like, what are you looking for? Are you a top or are you a bottom? Okay, let's fuck. You'll be over in, you know, five minutes because it says you're, you know, 3,000 feet away. Um, so it's very much an app that is designed to bring gay men together with the point of physical intimacy. But to your point, people have the ability to create a profile just like they do on Tinder on Bumble, on Coffee Meets Bagel, on all of these things. Where, yeah, <laughs> where they can share, you know, pictures of themselves. They can, you know, share a little bio. And and typically, I think one of the things that I see the most, um, not as much anymore as when I was first using Grinder, but is, you know, masks only, which basically means masculine men only. So they don't want flamers quote unquote they don't want (laughs) fags quote unquote they want these men to be straight acting and first off that's a fucking offensive to straight men because there's so many different types of straight men right um but it's also a problem that is within our issues of a community that you know you have to be this jacked man with a deep voice you can't be flamboyant you need to act a certain way you can't be too gay you know you, you can't have like a skincare regimen and look like you take care of yourself god god forbid we <laughs> we use like fucking CeraVe or avena as, Avino, if, as like, if male straight <laughs> men don't take care of themselves on a daily basis in some of their routines it, as to think you would be so surprised yeah with personal experience and people i've seen personally how actually effeminate some of the qualities of that of quote-unquote straight men. It's just so hard anymore because you barely can say anything anymore and get a word in edgewise before one person gets offended. And to be honest, generation offended is kind of a good movement because it's kind of like you have to get offended before you learn something. Right, yeah. So let's like jump back then. <laughs> so if we're we're talking about like, what are some of those other things that you see in grinder profiles that like you mentioned ageist. So like what, what are the, what's, I mean, what's the go-to phrase? No, no fats, no femmes, no Asians. Oh my gosh, yes. So it has a lot to do with this assigned mentality and this vision of beauty. It almost reminds me of like gay people going back to World War II and looking for the Aryan race to get together with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but literally, they're saying they don't want fat people, they don't want effeminate people, and they're going to loop in the whole race of Asians as well. And it's 
pretty much like the most ignorant thing that you could say. Imagine if you were a straight person and on your dating profile, it said no blacks, no Hispanics, no Asians. Like, like that is openly racist. And it's very common in the gay community on dating apps to like put these labels and put these terms on things like fat people, effeminate people and Asians are like three of the most my, my, like marginalized groups within that community. Um, and then they'll say like no trans freaks. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like we're already part of this community anyway. So I think this is a long way of saying that like, even within the gay community, we have our own struggles of acceptance, identification, of understanding pronouns. So straight people, if you're listening to this and are feeling insanely overwhelmed, know that we're going through this too. We're just probably a little bit further along than you because it's part of our everyday life and everyday rhetoric. So um, we talked about gay, lesbian, bisexual, all of those are related to partnerships and relationships you have with other people. But again, that could be trans, it could be a, a trans person identifying as bi, it could be, you know, a a non-binary person identifying as a lesbian. There's there's so many combinations of things, but just take that from a high level like gay, lesbian and bisexual have to do with your intimacy with another person versus what I think we're going to spend more of our time talking about right now is the gender identification. So like trans and transgender is obviously an identity with your gender versus gay is an identification more so with who you are attracted to. Um, and that, that might sound simple, but we'll go with that for now. So let's go through some of the terms that we listed out. Ryan, what's the first one that we have? Okay, so gender dysphoria is like a major social issue right now. Um, it does fall in affiliation with trans panic, if anyone understands that term, as well as transphobia, where it goes two different directions. So I'm going to teach you three words at once. <laughs> gender dysphoria has a lot to do with assigned sexual organs, sexual identity, and how people tend to figure out later in life that they don't feel they were assigned the proper body. It comes with a lot of social, mental, and physical strife. There is a lot of things that happen to people, and you have to understand what goes on in the mind of people that feel, for example, I identify as a cis male. I don't have any assignment issues where I feel as though I feel any different way towards my body. Imagine feeling like you're not in your own proper body and mm -hmm. that you were born into something you didn't get to decide. Mm -hmm. It is so, so controversial in so many directions. And you're developing breasts as you're going through puberty right. when you feel like you look at the guys in your classroom and identify more so to that with them. And you're like, but why am I right looking like these girls mm -hmm. when I really feel mm -hmm. like I look like one of them right. or feel that I am one of them you feel as though you are basically alien to the own assigned body you were given in your life and that is probably one of the hardest things and most bravest things a person has to come to terms with yeah. because there is people of course in the, in the transgender community there are people that feel they weren't assigned the proper body imagine feeling almost like your body is a prison cell for mm -hmm. years and years and years and there's something you want to do to feel as though you were assigned a new 
proper understanding of who you always felt you were. Mm-hmm. It is a very deep seated com like <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually made yeah. me very emotional. <laughs> thinking it, about it. Yeah, because it's it's kind of scary. For like sure. most of us have the benefit of looking between our legs and being like, oh, this is who I am. But even for myself, like, yes, I have male genitalia, but there's parts of me that feel particularly feminine. Um, but I would attribute that to the females I had around me growing up, you know, sure. the influence that they nurture had has me. a lot to do with a right. lot of things. And, and, and I don't think that <clears throat> my feelings of femininity are because my sex is assigned wrong, you know? Correct. Yeah. So I, I feel like I just have, feminine stereotypically feminine characteristics and tendencies but that does not mean that i have an issue with my gender so like think about this from like it's not being a tomboy or a tom girl it's it's completely different than that it is looking at yourself in the mirror and being like i don't look like what society tells me i should look like because i am a man in my head but i look like a woman and again those are stereotypes of I look like a man and I look like a woman, but that's part of that stress that they go through. And I was just talking to a kindergarten teacher. Um, you know, I was just on, on vacation and was talking to a kindergarten teacher and she was talking about this, um, seven year old in one of her classes that I think he was, you know, originally named, Johnny and now he's going by um, I can't remember what her name is now but feels like she is a woman now so because this seven-year-old feels that she is a woman she is a woman she is a girl Um, and I think that that's really hard for people to to feel because when you're pregnant you are say oh we're having a boy the doctor tells you that you're having a boy everything is covered in blue all the toys that you get are a certain way for christmas from now until the end of time there's things that you get and things that you experience as part of your gender identity that your family puts on you not right. necessarily what you feel so this 7 year old is saying i feel more comfortable in a dress and is telling his mother at seven years old, I am a girl. I know you're telling me I'm a boy, but I am a girl. It starts that early because kids are not stupid about their gender. You know when you assume you've met a person and when you're younger, you assume you've kind of met where their social mentality is and who they are as if you think, and that's a huge problem in society too, is we used to put everything into these boxes. My friend explained this so well to me because I used to be what's called a gender detective where you're so concerned about what a person's sexuality is to comfort yourself when you're still trying to figure yourself out. So you're trying to figure out, oh, is that person gay? And like, you know, when people have to like totally define who you are when you're not prepared or even owe it to them to explain what your life is and what your lifestyle is like. You don't have to explain anything to anybody at any time. You are your own person. Mm-hmm. You own yourself and no one owns you. You're not property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially socially, you're not property. Yeah. I've learned that throughout the years of my life. I've been through so much. I've met so many different walks of life. And I think another thing too that we all struggle with is 
coming to terms with the fact as a society that nothing is linear. Mm-hmm. I think that people want to get on that track where it's like, well, I'm 27 years old, so things should be going this way, or yeah. I should be out of college by now. It just falls into a lot of social and gender-involving things as well. Mm-hmm. There's things that people tell you that you should follow. So we talked about gender dysmor- dysfor- oh, <laughs> gender dysphoria. That's a big one, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, gender dysmorphia. So we talked about gender dysphoria, <laughs> but just, just, just as we talk about the rest of these terms, Try to put yourself in a situation where you can empathize with people who are just feeling so lost within their own body. Because the rest of the things that we're going to talk about, I think, all stem from some form of gender dysphoria. So they're searching for pronouns. They're searching for ways to call themselves. They're trying to find what is right for them. And that's why I think when you hear from people like Sam Smith and Miley Cyrus, they say it's a journey because it is. Um, And it takes a long time, I think, for people to get there. But as allies, we can help people get there faster if we are aware of the different terms because we can be part of that education process. So what's our what's our first term? Just taking it there really quick. It really Go is, for it. It, yeah. it really is the climb from Miley Cyrus. That is life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah. you're too fucking gay. Get out of here, you fag. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so uh, the next term we were thinking of is androgyny, which I believe has much to do with a male-female socially assigned and understood visual appearance where you kind of have attributes of both masculine and feminine incorporated into one look. Um, I would say that like a a really amazing version of like androgyny is things that you see on drag race. Actually. Um, Again, they're, they're, they're typically high fashion androgynous looks. Um, But like things that are campy can be androgynous and it's people who like you look at and you're like, Oh, I see parts that are stereotypically feminine milk. And stere- yeah, and milk stereotypically feminine. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the big and milky is uh, his Instagram. Yes. So like, you can go and see um, his like drag, and like, you just look at this person, and you're like, you could look like a clown, or you could just look like in between a man and woman. Um, there was and- a lot of controversy over the one episode where he decided to not have a wig on, as well as having a full goatee beard. Yeah, and they were thinking to themselves, "You are on a show." where this is already where it gets offensive. They assume that having a beard is not drag. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so again, RuPaul, not the perfect example, a great example of, of trans and drag and, you know, a loving community, but not necessarily always the best example because it's produced reality television. So androgyny is people that you would see dressed in like multiple types of clothing or would appear like a man or a woman, like, And again, that's like the stereotypical version, but I I always think it's like Katya's outfit in uh, All Stars 2 when they do pants on the runway and she's in like that sleek brown jumpsuit and her body looks boyish, but she's in high heels and a short blonde wig and amazing makeup. It's so androgynous that you're like, bisexual people always call it like, Oh my God, it's a bisexual dream because like, you don't know what that person is. So, um, that's the image I always have of, um, you know, when I think of androgyny, but again, that's high fashion. That is a look that takes money. Like there's people who are androgynous in everyday life that they just appear to be, uh, claiming characteristics or having characteristics of certain genders. So what's our next term? Cause that was androgyny. We are covering non-binary. Okay, so non-binary, I think it's 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 pretty simple. Um, in life, 
oftentimes we feel that there is a binary of you are married or not married. You are a man. You are a woman. You are, um, you know, rich or poor. Like there's, there's so many things that we identify as like a yes or a no. So non-binary in terms of gender, right. Is, is not identifying as a man and not identifying as a woman. I don't subscribe to the binary, the bi meaning two. I don't subscribe to that binary, um, of this is a man, this is a woman. I'm somewhere in the middle. And that's people like Sam Smith right now. Um, and Miley Cyrus who are saying my pronouns are they, my pronouns are them because I do not just subscribe to he or she, it's or not him discerned to one thing. Yeah. What else would you say about like non-binary? You think that covers it? I would say it has much to do with the passion that I have. And I will always have a passion about this. Believing in a non-traditional, non, sorry, non-traditional society mm-hmm. is very important because mm-hmm. when you hold on to traditional values, now you see people picking out a black wedding dress, a red wedding dress, you know, certain things that fall into play with that. And again, what um, was being covered in the beginning where, you know, there's the assumption man and woman in a relationship between two gay men you don't need to adhere to that understanding you have to understand that you're two people if you prefer say you identify that certain way and you prefer to be the man or the assigned woman in the relationship as a form of comfort to yourself that should be acknowledged that should be understood that should be transparent but there is no solid thing behind that and i think that nothing is linear i keep getting back to that Mm -hmm. nothing is linear once you acknowledge that we're not just this pie chart that's going up or down you will understand so much i am a woman so (laughs) i have babies and i have a white wedding dress right i will not work and I will bake. You know, it's like the evolved form right. of that bullshit. It's like right. women today don't subscribe to a binary because they're forced to work because of the economy and men are forced to work because of the economy. But now you can be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, you know, or you can be the breadwinner and be a woman. Oh my God. It's like, think of gender the same way. It's just not subscribing to that norm. You know, it's it's finding commonality in both. When my friend described to me that I used to try and put things into boxes when I was still in a learning curve, I believe that that is so true. I believe we still live in a society where there are so many social boxes. There's so many things that people want to find comfort in. There's so many ways that we as a society just need to move forward. And, you know, you see those little Tumblr posts where people take those little images and they put these quotes next to them. And that's where I saw it. You know, recovery, understanding, and knowledge is not a linear thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. What's our next term? <laughs> well, should we cover cisgender then? Yeah. I think we talked about it a little bit, but yeah, why don't it, you go? I, it has much to do with the antonym to dysphoria, where you feel you were assigned a solid position in your life, a certain visual understanding, and you feel as though you were fused with the proper body. That's the words I would like to throw into there fused, understood, assigned, because it has much to do with the exact like opposite end of the spectrum of dysphoria where you feel basically like jazz music. It's like the most scattered (laughs) pattern ever. And you feel as if everything's linked up. And do you understand the term depersonalization? It's like social and gender depersonalization. That is the best way I could describe dysphoria. And the opposite of that is when you're cis male, cis female, cisgendered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say like, I identify as cisgender primarily, you know, like I feel that 
I don't feel wrong in my yeah. body. You know, my yeah. body feels right. I feel like I am a man, you know, I'm confident in that fact, but I think I question, you know, like we all do. Cause you're like, mm. like there was a time when I was a kid of like, okay, I like boys. Does that mean I'm a girl? You know, but that's, that's like relating gayness to gender dis like gender dysphoria and gender identification issues. He and, uh, beat me to it. It has much to do with the traditional viewpoints of things mm -hmm. that make you feel as though you had to be, be a girl growing up or, you know, and it really takes bravery to mm -hmm. be any type of understanding and identity, because if you can solidly feel a certain type of way, you don't need to fight to feel like you're a certain gender. If you identify any which way you should always be acknowledged because we're all people walking the same earth and we all deserve the same degree of respect and the same degree of understood identity that's how i feel agreed what's our next term <laughs> agender okay so agender huh. so this is what i don't know as much about so from what i understand i require some educating on this too yeah <laughs> so um from what i understand in the little bit of research that we did um is that agender is a term that translates to like atypical it's like agender it's without gender or without a type so like it's seen as a version of a non-binary gender identification person, or it's like a statement of not having a gender. Like I am a gender. I'm not going to pick. I am not going to say that I'm in the middle. I'm not saying that I am they or them. I'm just like lacking a gender entirely. And mm -hmm. I am just a person. And I would imagine that that is something that feels weird for people to hear sure like how can you not be a man how can you not be a woman and how can you not be you're almost just a person you're just a person and you're like i just Absolutely. don't give a fuck about which this. which is weird <laughs> because with where we've been raised and what we've been taught our entire lives what's been ingrained into our you know our thought process is when you think a name when you hear the word matt most of the time your brain's probably going to gravitate towards the male end of the spectrum it's Matthew, or when right, you hear yeah. rebecca you're going to think a woman there's nothing where you're not uneducated or you're being ignorant you also have to acknowledge before you became brushed up on this kind of topic that you were literally trained a certain way mentally mm -hmm. so that comes with a lot of resilience mm -hmm. i think that Baggage. learning has a lot to do with social resilience mm -hmm. and you have to go against the grain sometimes mm -hmm. and that is so important as a society we have to be able to be willing to knock down more walls to see more of the sky you know what i mean like yeah it's like I agree. And I would say that like agender is people who are just like, please do not label me with a gender where I think transgender people are often moving their bodies into a format where they feel, feel they can. Themselves. They, they understand themselves. Right. That way. And where they can identify with a he, sure. him or a she, sure. hers. Like, and that's, I think the difference there is like, I'm just not going to label this. I'm just going to do what I want. And like, please don't even talk about my gender at sure. all versus trans is like, I'm transitioning to this or transitioning to that. You know, I think there's a little bit more of like, not transitioning to a binary, but they're transitioning to an identification that fits their body. I do want to cover one more time with dysphoria and things such as cis male, cis female, etc. is the fact that we don't understand that if some people feel as though they were already put in a place where they identify with themselves fully and they feel whole, not not emotionally, not, you know, socially, but I mean as a, as a singular identity. Imagine being at war with yourself your entire life until you feel you may have to take the action steps to put yourself into the body you feel you were rightfully deserved. And feeling that way 
every single day, feeling that trapped, feeling that alienated from your own self. You feel alienated in your own body. Imagine that kind of struggle and strife someone must go through. That takes so much bravery. You have my utmost respect when you're going through something like that. You can always approach me and talk to me about things like Mm -hmm. that. I want people to understand that at the end of the day, we're all human. We all bleed red. Mm, We do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's our next term? Demigender. So demigender, I think, is an interesting one. <laughs> this is actually one that's very new to me. Same. So, uh, <laughs> you're if you're demigender, you are um, you feel partially part of a gender, but not fully part of that gender. So you feel like you probably have a little bit of gender dysphoria in that your body doesn't match up entirely. It's yet. almost like a fraction of it is like the smallest like microcosm of disagreement to your assigned gender. Right. Like identity. maybe you feel like you're 80% man or 20% mm-hmm. and 20% woman, but you just don't feel like you're, you're personally, you know, invested in one gender or another. Cause you don't really have an identity. So, but your identity is both like, this so just makes me want to go to someone's gender reveal party and change the frosting <laughs> color to like gray. So well, when they cut called. it, it's such yeah. a gray area. Like get it. Yeah. Like, well, it's called the gray gender. So <laughs> yes. like the flag is great. The, the sure. gray gender flag. But when you um, have a boy at a gender reveal party, they tend to make it a blue frosting or they yeah. make it a pink frosting. Could you even imagine how thrown for a loop the whole party would be if I made it gray? It would make you have to go to the, the drawing board and question everything. And be like, wait, I'm confused. Right. Yeah. When really, like... Making when, waves. And when, <laughs> when babies are born, they resonate more with black and white because they can't see color when they're born. Which so, is like, an absence of color. Yes. And everyone, like, paints the rooms blue or pink or whatever sure. color when, like, in reality, like... That you should be giving your kids black and white objects because they can see more depth and they can touch and feel and right. learn more it's and like faster. A it's it's so funny, right? So so demi gender is is basically half half gender or part gender. So you can be a demi girl, a demi boy. You can be demi well, non binary, demi fluid. Very shaking about this topic that just kind of shook me and like threw me for a loop is the fact that you do understand that your reservations and your bias tend to come from just your nurturing and your upbringing oh for sure you may not even agree with the thoughts that you think you're believing in now Mm -hmm. say you're right wing you're left wing you may be doing that for the consent and understanding and nurturing of the family Mm -hmm. you may be doing things right at this very second i'm sorry to make this such a controversial podcast but that's the point there's very contradictory things you may be doing at this very moment where you act in such disagreement to when you see someone else doing it you could be your own hypocrite there is so much room to learn there's so much to understand to this day and for the rest of your life there's so much you will never fully understand and when you realize there's things you're still ignorant on that is what is what makes an intellectual person in my opinion is when you think there's still room to grow and that you're not this jaded person that's reached your max like no fuck it everyone's a man or everyone's a woman right that's the wrong and that comes with social comfort that comes with putting things into boxes yeah totally agree topic is gender transvestite i think we covered most of like the trans spectrum Mm -hmm. i think that though some people would still not understand the word transvestite yes um and i think that that is an important distinction to make because there are still some people who are comfortable with that term transvestite or or tranny and i can't even believe that i just said those words because i am personally not comfortable with using those terms um 
but 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 transvestite or tranny is is typically just to teach you guys saying a tranny is actually a very derogatory term yeah I, that's why i'm like oh because he like, was trying to explain <laughs> that in, in the best words but we just want to put it out there and i will cite my sources and say that's something very controversial about people like rupaul or they say things like tranny in their own community right yeah like rupaul has a song <laughs> called tranny chaser which yeah. basically is about straight men chasing mm. transvestites and, and trans people mm. um to then have sex <laughs> with them it's a hilarious song but it's a song that's probably not culturally appropriate right, and again yeah. so still some people would say like i'm i'm a tranny but like i think on on the whole those mm-hmm. people are part of the stonewall movement those sure. people are part of you know they're a little bit older in terms of the right. queer community and that's not to disparage them again if they're comfortable with that then they're comfortable with that but what i have heard um and what i've seen online and what i've read um or talked to trans people about or talked to drag queens about is that calling someone a transvestite is an insult and it's it's y- usually transvestite would be aligned with cross-dressing so let's put it this way there is a large conjunction and still there is a little bit of stigma over that term it has nothing to do with just full-on cross-dressing but take it from roles where you see someone identify in a film as a transvestite like tim curry being you know dr frankenfurter you've got someone that is exclaiming their masculinity as a male and they want to be in dresses and gowns and they don't feel as though they are a woman, but they feel they are empowered to be whoever they wish to be in their assigned gender. Right. Like there's there's that um, movie with Eddie Redmayne, which is about the first transgender woman, I believe, was in Germany. Um, and her, her, her name was uh, Lily or she, her, her transgender name was Lily. Um, but the movie starts with Eddie Redmayne and his wife deriving sexual pleasure from Eddie Redmayne dressing up as a woman. So typically someone would dress up as a woman and, and be a transvestite if there was, you know, sexual pleasure coming from that. So you're like, oh, I want to fuck a man in a dress, basically. Um, Just to put it out there, there are men that identify themselves as male that want to find trans women. Yeah. Specifically, right. it's a, it falls very much into a fetishized culture. Yeah. And that can go many directions. It does not directly mean it is an offensive thing, but you have to understand there is ways where it can easily become offensive. Yeah. There are ways where there are people that feel this certain type of grounded, um, how would you say, fixed mindset way in their lifestyle but just for sexual getting their rocks off, they're like going after this thing that they really don't socially agree with. So they're a walking contradiction in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that also on Grinder, which we were covering earlier. <laughs> there's people that are, you know, fetishizing trans, trans people. Yes. Um, yeah. Fetishizing certain things and like, oh, I want to find myself like a, you know, a hairless Filipino boy. There's so many offensive and, interesting undertones and connotations that come with these certain community um, you know apps that we find ourselves on and there's so many things that again we're never going to learn everything there's always going to be a learning curve and I think that's when you realize you're your smartest person is when you realize there's always a capacity to learn something new agreed and and just for clarification I was talking about the Emmy award winning movie The Danish Girl Um, but it was or not Emmy because that's television but um, it's an award winning movie called The Danish Girl and it's with Eddie Redmayne and and it's about Eddie Redmayne dressing up first as a woman and getting um, sexual pleasure with his wife and then officially transitioning over as the first transgender person in the world 
Um, however, um, the surgery does not go well because science was not advanced. And spoiler, uh, Lily, who is Eddie Redmayne's character by the end of the movie, um, passes away um, after her gender reassignment surgery, which is still a huge problem mm-hmm. um, in the world. Hormone therapy. There's many different directions and avenues that you know transitioning. Um, there's a lot of processes. There's people that never go on hormone therapy. There's people that feel as though they require hormone therapy. Again. You cannot, this is the whole point of, I feel like these type of socio-economical podcasts is the fact that there is no correct answer to one solid thing. No, there's not. <laughs> so it's just being mindful of the term. So, so why don't we take a quick break and then we'll close out. All right. That sounds great. Cool. Okay, and we are back to close out the podcast. So um, I've been sitting here with Ryan in a full face of makeup. Uh, Ryan did my makeup shortly before we sat down. It was and a did lot this. of fun. <laughs> um, and so I just like want to thank you for um, I think the education that you brought to people and some of the things that you've shared. Um, but while we were just on break, you were sort of sharing like why you learned so much and how you've learned so much. Like, what's your sort of inspiration for for learning and, and continuing to learn you know can i put it this way a bit the way i can best describe it is all of my shortcomings are going to become the education to generations to come the mistakes that i've made are going to build a clearer paved path for the people that have a ways to learn and have a ways to there i have a huge influence on especially our younger generation where i try to make sure they don't fall into bad things um i'll put it out there publicly i dabbled in drugs in high school Um, A huge thing, it's not gender dysphoria as much as body dysmorphia, which we were talking about briefly before, that kind of gave me an understanding because I've been at my lowest lows. I never want to see another person feel that way. Mm -hmm. I never want to see a person go through the strife and the animosity I've emotionally endured in my life and the people that I've met in my life that have really put me in life or death situations. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see other people make the same mistakes and go through the same issues. So I like to be kind of a front runner of like what not to do. (laughs) Um, And I think it's better to kind of make a memoir of your experiences rather than like just forget they ever happened because they're really never going to go away but you just get past them yeah um i really appreciate that perspective because i feel like my perspective is is almost the opposite you know i didn't face a ton of bullying i was always accepted i was always a version of a popular kid whatever sport i was in or whatever class i was in i had my own niche i had my own friends i i didn't turn to like abusive substances i didn't do uh, i didn't like go through abusive behavior i certainly have confidence issues with my body and my shape um And so I feel like what I'm trying to impart as part of my memoir is more like, hey, for the people who like have privilege, for the people who haven't had to check themselves, like I've been learning through my whole life that I have to check myself and I can't just make snap judgments without really talking to people in detail about who they are, what they are, how they think and what they believe. And I feel like this, this podcast is really helping me to grow um, because it's introducing me to people like you who, who have had to fight a little bit more than I have, you know, like I wouldn't say I had it easy 
in comparison to the normal straight experience. But, um, you know, I, I didn't fight some of the same things that you're, you're talking about. So I feel like I'm trying to impart that, like, Hey, if you're privileged, if you're not going through struggle, that doesn't mean that no one is going through struggle. You need to be super mindful of the people around you and you need to really care and really invest and show love. Um, because that's, what's going to make us better. And, and, and that's sort of like, my whole take on it. So I know we're, we're, we're definitely running low on, on time. I know that you guys have finished up your commutes and this is probably day two or day three of this podcast or your lunch break. But, um, I, I hope that you found this enlightening. Um, and, and if you, you know, want to learn more, there's, tons of resources out there um, with the GLAD organization, with the GLSEN organization, um, with any LGBTQIA plus community members and websites. Like, so don't be afraid to just Google what pronouns should I use for transgender people? I just also want to put it out there really quick that there's actually LGBT friendly therapy resources, such as the Mazzoni Center in Philadelphia. If you feel as though there's any sort of stigma towards you going towards a all inclusive therapy session, because you may feel you are treated differently than you wish to be. Um, and you're not acknowledged as fully as you should be. Um, there are places like the Mazzoni Center that are available for uh, people struggling. Because I feel of all communities, it is very much the LGBTQ, LGBTQA plus community that go through um, a lot of emotional strife. And you have to fight for who you are. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to close on. I forgot about them. Um, so, Ryan, thank you so much for joining. I hope we have you back um, <laughs> on a future podcast because I think that you have a lot of knowledge around areas like this, but I also know you have a lot of knowledge in other areas too. Cause you're kind of a fucking nerd. You're too nice. <laughs> I take that as a compliment on like most people that think the term nerd comes with a derogatory connotation. I'm like, I feel like we moved on. Um, I feel like we've moved on from that one. Yeah. Like, I feel like we accept nerds now. Um, but thank you so much for joining, Ryan. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Well, I'm basically out in the suburbs, but I mean, I am <laughs> open to, you know, people approaching me on, you know, either Facebook or, you know, th- places like Instagram. Instagram, like if anyone's interested, my handle is Rainy Day Clouds. I post a lot of just random things, whether it's banter or art or things like that. But if anyone ever feels they have questions to ask me and they feel as though I can help them, I have always tried to be there for other friends, but I will put it out there as a major PSA. You only have so much mental room as a person and you can't save everybody. So please have some sense of Hmm. self-preservation. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Um, well, cool. Well, this has been another episode of let's unpack that. I don't know what we're going to call this one yet. Um, but if you want to, (laughs) yeah, unpacking a lot. Um, if you want to learn more about, um, this podcast, or if you want to, you know, uh, stay in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at let's unpack that underscore podcast. Um, or you can email us at let's unpack that pod at gmail.com. I'm Paul. This is a weekly podcast about unpacking things through the lens of people with anxiety and depression. Um, and I think that this was a great one on gender identity, um, and the queer experience. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining everyone. We will see you next week. It was a pleasure. Take care of you guys and take care of yourselves first and foremost. Yeah, motherfuckers. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs)